The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Kev, how's the, the doorstep uh, challenge coming along there? I know, I know you, you're doing a few more after we've spoken. It's, it's, never, yep. it's never ending. Yeah, for the man that didn't want to do portraits, you're doing portraits <laughs> <laughs> and group uh, shots. Yeah, group shots. <laughs> group I actually, shot, one of the people, were, they were meant to be getting married and obviously huh? their wedding was cancelled. So right. they said, oh, can you come and do doorstep shots of us? And we'll, we'll put her a wedding. So she was in her wedding dress and everything. So I felt mm. quite nice about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, as usual, as soon as... As soon as we stopped, and we did the first batch, and then as soon as we stopped, everybody went, oh, hang on, what about us? <laughs> and um, so, we're, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I've got another session, another couple of hours driving around Malmesbury and doing some more. I think that'll be it then. Um, but, yeah, it was... Has it released your inner, um, inner portrait, uh, man? at all no, no not at all but it does I, I have i honestly think some of the images are beautiful you know people stood out it's literally and i've insisted that people stand on their doorstep some people are like well can we go and you know stand under that nice tree and stuff and i'm like nope it's doorsteps <laughs> the whole point is that yeah. when you look back at these we'll remember the you know the windows and what you have flower pots and stuff like that that's the whole point so i've been quite insistent on that and uh, yeah, some of them I think are really lovely pictures. I have to say, and I, you know, and even though they're my own pictures, mm-hmm. but I think when people look back at them in years to come, they'll they'll remember quite a lot of stuff. Kev, there's a whole new industry here. The Fuji Cast. You've become a portrait photographer overnight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm glad it's going well. Um, have you moved back into the office yet? By the way, as well. Are you, no, you, no, you clearly haven't. Or you could have no. done because we could be speaking v- from your office now. I keep threatening. Gemma keeps threatening to throw me out. I keep threatening to go, and then both of us are like, "Oh no, don't go!" No, I know. Well, you know, if you move out and down to the office, you won't be able to do so much of this in the afternoon, will you? Another one, darling. Gin and tonic. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> well, look, the whole point of me going back to the office really is is to is so I can crack on with some YouTube stuff. But then I realised actually I can't because all my equipment, my lighting, my tripods, all of that stuff it's is in the still church. In the church. <laughs> So you can't. gave it to yeah. the church. Oh, yeah. Kev. I could do my YouTube videos from the altar, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. I'm not quite so sure. <laughs> I, don't, I think there'll be a raised eyebrow further than even a Mullins one if you started doing that. Anyway, welcome to the Fuji cast. Uh, once daily, now weekly. I'll stop saying that. We don't need to say that all the time, but I've, a couple of times it's. Um, yeah, I wanted to do it. Um, so, welcome. Yeah, uh, here we are. Week, week two of, um, I suppose, of, of being still roughly in lockdown, and Kev still isn't here. Kev, where are you? I'm here. I'm by here. I'm not by here. I know. Um, so we'll have your questions as uh, as always thank you for emailing them in and keep doing it it's going to be really important now I want to build up that bank of questions and at some stage talking to YouTube we, we have of course the YouTube channel for the Fujicast which is sort of underutilised at the moment Kev isn't it but we, we, we did actually record a couple of um, a couple of talking heads one before lockdown started and we're going to do some more visual stuff on, on that channel so we need your questions uh, send them into click at fujicast.co.uk Great guest today, Kev. Who is it? <laughs> I love your enthusiasm. Palais Schultz. Palais. My yes. mate Palais. Yes. Love Palais. He's the 100-year-old man that looks about six. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, wait for the interview. To, uh, well, you've given it away, sort of, but that's okay. I, uh, when, I, when I asked Kev, I asked Kev yesterday, I said, Kev, have you got any uh, advice or any questions? Because Palais keeps, keeps himself pretty much, he cards close to his chest, doesn't he? If you, look, if you look online, there's not an awful lot about him, is there? Usually with photographers, you find a whole whole loads of stuff, reams, but um, but not 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 so much with with him. Um, 
And so I asked Kev, I said, Kev, what can you tell me about? You know him. What, what can you tell me about Pelle? And this, he said, um, just, <laughs> what did he say? Just ask him why he looks 25 and the rest of us look much older. I said, ask him about his, his, <laughs> his uh, rock star status when he was a musician. That's right, How come he's so good at karate and why does he look 25 when he's 60? Well, we, so, we sort of got on to uh, martial arts. We didn't talk an awful lot about martial arts, but there we go. He is one of those people that he's so nice, such a nice guy. Yeah, and, he was, uh, yeah, 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 really nice. Been, in a past life, I would imagine him to have been a 007 or <laughs> <laughs> you have everybody down as a member of this, the CIA or MI, yeah. MI5 or, I don't know, <laughs> MFI. Anyway, look, let's go for the questions. You go first. Okay, I've got one from Matthias Fox. Friend of the show now, isn't he? He's written in a few times. I think so, yeah. yeah. Uh, hi, guys. I hope you've recovered well from the marathon of daily Fujicasts. Have you recovered, do you think, yeah. Neil? Yeah, I think so. Well, it's not changing me because I'm I'm back on dailies, aren't I? Doing the photography, oh, true, true, <laughs> photography true. daily. It's not changed, yeah. Kev. The only, the only thing is, you're not there uh, with your beer. Uh, yeah. Uh, his question is uh, quite a weird one. Not everybody is photogenic, in my experience. How do you deal with wedding clients that may not be very pleasing to look at? Often those normal-looking people are very nice and, of yeah, course, deserve yeah. the best photos possible. Yes. Maybe it's just my lack of experience, but I would struggle to achieve good results in such circumstances. Best regards. Stay mm. safe, Matt. You've got to be so careful because, you know, I mean, I, I know of photographers in the past that have, uh, we know, we know of one um, that actually did not take commissions from people that he did not deem attractive enough. I'm sorry, sir. You're just not good looking enough. Don't be rude. But, you know, that. what would it feel like to say that to somebody? Do you know what? I never, it, it never crosses my mind. I have to say, I never kind of shoot a wedding, especially a wedding, and think, oh, this could have been so much better had they been, you know, more pleasing to look at or a certain size or anything. Yeah. It yeah. literally never crosses my mind. Yeah. I think if it's a good wedding, I think this is going to look great on the blog, regardless. It just doesn't, it's not a thing. Well, if, you're shoot, uh, if you're shooting because you, you want everybody to be some sort of, sort of supermodel in life, how, <laughs> how morally, uh, ethically shallow are you? Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's slightly different, I guess, for portraits and stuff. And Matthias doesn't really kind of, you know, I'm not sure if he's shooting weddings or not, but, you know, he asks us, how do we deal with wedding clients? But, you know, you do, of course, there, there's some basic stuff that you, you try and implement so for example if it's a a larger person typically you're not going to go down on your knees and shoot wide angled upwards um you know you you, you are going to take things like that into consideration yeah. um but yeah i mean it's not i'm a big believer in the camera doesn't lie and you know i have this conversation with many people mostly friends who don't take a picture of me i don't like the way i look I'm like, well, don't blame the camera for the way you look. Blame yourself. <laughs> Kev, Sort yourself have out. Have you ever thought about going into counselling? <laughs> well, it's true, isn't it? And actually, there's nothing wrong with the way they look at all. It's their own insecurities. But you know, the intimation. Dead, the int- nobody, no pictures of you to look at. No, think about that. that. Well, that's true. You've said that before. I always say to people, it's usually a relative, isn't it? Um, who'll say, "Don't take any pictures of me." You know that 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 phrase mm-hmm. that you were talking about. It's usually, I don't know, sorry, it's usually mum or somebody like that. Don't shoot me. I'm, I'm only the, the message deliverer on that one. But, but And it is, isn't it? And, you, and you, I always have, find myself having this conversation, which, is, which goes along the lines of, look, um, they, these are a documentary of, of the day. This is to tell the story of who was here. Um, we're, not doing, we're not doing a fashion shoot. You look lovely as you are, but try and, just try and sort of diffuse that and, and head it off at the past before the day even starts. Yeah, I suppose we're, we're kind of answering a separate question, really, to what Matt was, was, was kind of implying, I think, 
But uh, honestly, it, it never crosses my mind. I never think this is an unphotogenic person. Yeah. I really don't. I mean, well, it, uh, how could I look myself in the face and, and think that looking in a mirror? You know, it's just, it's not something that ever comes. There are people, you're right, there are people who purposely choose what to show on their website yeah. and choose who they're going to shoot, etc. Uh, and that's that's up to them, of course. But no, it's not. Honestly, nothing. With doesn't, smile, doesn't really come into my just, mind. Just with a big smile, uh, Matthias, just say, hey, we're just, you know, this is this is just a document of the day. It shows you were here and you were important. Oh, am yeah. I? Oh, I never give them a big smile, mind, because no, of my <laughs> big yellow gappy teeth. <laughs> no. Well, you're only a 35 a month as well, as we've <laughs> identified. But uh, good luck. Um, Suzanne Eves. Hi, Neil. Hi, Kev. Good to have you back after your daily adventure on the weekday show, though I have to admit we're missing you a little at breakfast each each morning here in Frisco. Do you know where Frisco is, Kev? Well, it's either San Francisco or it's the other Frisco, in which I think is also in California. It's, oh, it, no, it's Frisco. No, is it San Francisco? No, this is Frisco. It's a place called Frisco, which is, I had to look it up to be fair. Um, it's close to Dallas, well, north of. Oh. I don't know, when you look on an American map, you might say it's just north of, and it could probably be about... We'll chop that bit out, otherwise we'll have to start paying rights on it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's so remotely close to <laughs> Probably not. But da- uh, Dallas, when you look at a map, it's just a bit like when you go to South Africa, isn't it, where somebody says, you know, drive drive three hours and turn left. Everything everything looks a lot closer on a map than it really is. So yeah. Frisco could actually be, I don't know, 300 miles up the road. Anyway... Photo question and something to tell you both. Every time you mention going to the hop to look for Fuji gear, we think of you guys having the original buttermilk stack, which is our favourite, with stuffed French toast on the side and a full-on three-scooper ice cream sundae. But it Mm. appears that your hop is our IHOP. (laughs) yeah it's the house very different things the house of pancakes (laughs) and you have the house of photography i went to the ihop kev actually in um in daytona and the look i i asked to hold the pancakes on on and the look i got was what you serious you want a breakfast Mm. without a pancake have a coffee no not unless you have a pancake do you think Andreas may consider having a pancake franchise alongside the GFX range? I remember going <laughs> I one to one. I'm not sure if it was an IHOP, but it was certainly a pan- some kind of pancake restaurant. And um, I had this this pancake, and they put this big dollop of um, I, what I assumed was ice cream on it. So oh, I right. just I love ice cream. I've got my big spoon, and you know, I just sucked it all up. Oh no! It, it was butter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. That reminds me funny. I was just slightly off. We'll come back to your question in a minute, Suzanne. But it reminds me a little bit, actually, of um, going for sushi, a local sushi joint that we have here just, just um, in Newbury. It's a lovely little place, tiny place. You only get about, I don't know, 12 diners in it. And um, they served up, the sushi came out. And on the side, and they do have avocado in some of their sushis, but on the side, they had these nicely swirled, really well done, quite large sort of swirls of what I thought was avocado. <laughs> It was, uh, what's it called? Was that wasabi? Or wasabi. Wasabi. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to scoop too much of that in your mouth. No, I did. I scooped them all up at the same time. I thought it was like avocado. Boom, boom, boom. It's on fire. There goes your head. God, dear. I was like, can somebody help me, please? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, question. I'm just starting out in maternity and newborn work. And I've been working with an ancient Canon 5D2 for a few years, a hand-me-down from a friend who'd been using it for news shooting. It is great, but I want to go mirrorless uh, on a not tiny budget, but a considered one. Any suggestions for a good setup, both lens and camera, from the Fuji film or Fuji range? I always say Fuji film because I know we're supposed to say Fuji film. So you have to get in that habit as well, Suzanne. Fuji film. 
Uh, yeah, I remember once I got an email from the powers that be saying, uh, "Yeah, we're, we, we're encouraging people not to use the term Fuji because it's, it's that's not our brand. It's, it's Fujifilm, and um, you know we'd really appreciate it if you went through your seven hundred blog posts on F sixteen and changed it." <laughs> Did you? Uh, like, uh, no, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I think it was a bit totally cheap, but the the the, uh, <laughs> the implica- implication was there. Oh God! Yeah. Uh, yeah. So going back to the question mm. from Suzanne, I, I guess you know you, you're looking at it depends on the budget, of course, but yeah. probably more versatile cameras such as the XT three or four now. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, if you want to go kind of standard one lens type zoomy type things, sixteen fifty five would oh, be good. Yeah, yeah I went for the eighteen thirty five. 1835 the, the only thing i can think of it's if it's maternity and yeah maternity you know you're often the, the types of image and unless you're into the, the kind of lovely natural light ones by windows and stuff but sometimes it's more moody dark rooms true, you know true, true, true. Um, yeah so that's 1635 is a much yeah it, it's what is it f28 28 yeah um so yeah i'd probably go along that route and yeah. and of course if you're not if you don't really need if it's i'm not saying maternity photography isn't important but it's probably less important than you have a double card slot than perhaps shooting weddings as redundancy so maybe an xt30 even that'd be even oh, cheaper yeah. it's exactly the same sensor exactly the same functionality um just just not weather sealed and doesn't have a dual card slot and a few yeah. other bits and pieces what, what about a couple so, of uh, fixed lenses as well maybe a tw- 23 which which is a nice focal length for a few easier uh, portraits and f- 56 maybe which is going to let if you're talking about a low light level in these rooms that 56 lovely long portrait of mum nursing baby or something or, or the 50 f2 and the yeah. I, I wouldn't i would say i'd probably say for maternity 23 is is more documentary style yeah. candidate type shots so maybe the 50 f2 even maybe the 35 f2 or 1.4 uh yeah so something like that really it's does depend exactly on what what you want to shoot but i always think that if it's if you're new to the to a brand regardless what brand it is but if you're new to the brand go for you know a a kind of bog standard well well respected um zoom lens that's going to cover all your bases rather than you know just get a 23 mil and then think oh actually i need wider or longer and then you can always migrate to those later good suggestions and um good luck getting the kit suzanne yours Okay, right. I have another one. Um, this one is from Andrew. Friend FFOTS and cycling proficiency badge. FFOTS. <laughs> Fuji, 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 Fuji cast friend of the Fuji show. Fuji cast friend of the show. Oh, I see. And right. cycling proficiency badge. <laughs> Andrew. Cycling proficiency. Oh, you can't get higher accolades than that, can you? No, he goes, uh, firstly, thank you for bestowing FFOTS. Uh, title on me uh, and he says surely that's the blue peter badge of photography uh, andrew says i was interested to hear kev's views on photo books and book collecting although i'm very pleased to have some signed editions in my collection i've never had them signed with a view to the value increasing for me books are special memories and meeting the photographer or meeting the photographer and i always get them dedicated to me if offered and then it makes them mine although i may have a few books which are now worth a few thousand what good for you that's entirely coincidental as the books are for me never intended to sell so a first edition signed book which i buy at a photographer's talk for 30 quid may in time be worth 1000 pound to somebody else i tend to think i've saved myself 970 pounds rather than banked it is this why you keep a lookout for first editions kev or is it purely for the joy of collecting wow Uh, very good points actually um, I mean, you've I always think, said that they're, they're, they're like bricks and mortar, haven't you? Yeah, I think we did say when we discussed a lot of books over the, the lockdown that um, 
books for me are something that will go up in value but also it's more important that they get looked at and read and things like that so they are um you know there's a difference you've got to use the word collector here i think that it's a little bit like a stamp collector of which i was one of them for many years too i was Mm. i was a very good philatelist don't be rude um yeah i was in the make you go go blind (laughs) (laughs) some some people were very very serious about it weren't they used to write letters to each other did you um yeah (laughs) anyway so collectors there's a thing you know like collecting is like collecting in itself as a, an ambition of creating a, you know, a body of things, a collection is, is separate to actually just enjoying something, I think, you know, and using it for what it's for. So a philatelist collects stamps, doesn't post those stamps, keeps those stamps to look at and perhaps sell or whatever in the trade. Um, a book collector depends on if you're collecting them because you just want to look at them and read them and then when you're done with them you give them away or you throw them out or, yeah. or whatever yeah. or you collect them because you're interested in keeping them for the future so i think i'm a bit of both i i do definitely want my books to be read and looked at and loved however i do have a handful that very rarely get out of their their, their cellophane i've got some in cardboard boxes yeah. You know, I, I'm like, mm, I don't know. You know, they're, they're they're not books I would necessarily get out and look at on a daily basis. Okay, anyway. d- don't don't keep them in cardboard boxes. So, not cardboard. They're not cardboard boxes. They're in the box, the hardback boxes. Oh, I see. For, yeah, I just recall my mum throwing a load of stuff out that I collected. I, I used to collect badges, little yeah. pin badges, and and I put them all in boxes and stuff. And <laughs> mum threw all the boxes out one day into Uncle Biffa. <laughs> gone yeah no 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 I, yeah i know no. so so yeah so I the mean, ones you've got boxed are obviously the the really really prized ones secret ones oh i i, th- <laughs> I think you know you have to look at it as in as in yeah they will go up in value but you, you at the same time just look at them you know yeah. enjoy them sometimes i have been known to buy two copies if they're first editions and they're relatively rare and i've you know i think they're going to be worth something in the future i might buy two one to pour over and get my meaty grip, my my my, my meaty grits grips on. Yeah, let let git bite and all that sort of stuff. Git bite, <laughs> which he did do to one of them, oh my God. and uh, the other one to keep safe and secure. Yeah, have you got one that you feel is particularly precious to you? Not in in terms of money, but in you know which is the book? That's- oh, I, I don't know. It's really hard to say, but I, I really like the Darcy Padilla book. That's the one that I always think. Yeah, you mentioned this has one the most yeah, yeah. impact. Yes. Yeah. the one with the impact um and that's not particularly i think it's hard to get hold of but i don't think it's particularly yeah. worth that much money yeah. um but yeah i I, uh, I do enjoy it i must admit and it's it's one for for you know uh, it's not necessarily i certainly don't expect to be putting them on ebay at any point but one day i'll hand them to albie maybe and he can put them on ebay for me <laughs> albie don't I've been asking a question of photographers of late, and this kind of fits into the book, uh, talking about the books. Um, I, d- I didn't want it to sound so trite or crass that it would be a, what's your favourite picture uh, question? And I certainly wouldn't ask it like that. But um, I've been asking photographers if there is a particular picture, one that means so much to you that either shaped the way you feel about photography. I know this is slightly different to you and myself because we come to photography a little bit later um, as, a, as a sort of second part of our careers. But is there is there a picture like that for you or maybe maybe it's that darcy padilla book because it's stuffed with pictures like that well in terms of pictures there's one picture i remember and i always 
I always show this when I do my workshops. It's um, one of the very first pictures I took with the original X100 of the kids in the garden. And, and they look like a pair of, well, they look like they've been dragged through a hedge back. <laughs> you know, I've, I've come back from somewhere. They've been in the garden. Yeah. Albie's still in nappies. Oh, wow. And he's, <laughs> he's got his hands where little boys shouldn't put their hands. Right. Yeah. And Rosa, Rosa's in this dress that's drenched with water and covered in ice cream and it is all over the place and Did you uh, actually look after your kids <laughs> i love it i absolutely adore yeah, that picture yeah. and it's one of the first pictures i took with the x100 and it, it was actually i always say that picture really was the one that made me think yeah mirrorless is the way forward for me because yeah. i remember seeing it in the viewfinder and thinking oh that's great and of course i've been shooting my cannons for years at that point yes um, but that was the one that I thought, yeah, this is That's this right. idea of yeah. documenting everyday life is is real. Uh, never, never, ever had that that thought process with my Canon system. Oh, ever. Oh, when, funnily enough, you should mention that when we come back in the second part. Then I want to talk about your experiences with your new shiny, brand new X one hundred V. At last, one of us has got one. Yeah. So, um, can I just mention this before we go to uh, today's interview? Um, this came from Neil Ford. And for those that have been in the, in, in the Fujicast at Four group, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Fujicast at Four, by the way, it w- was originally Kev's um, uh, grand idea to go outside and take a picture of the first thing you see at exactly four o'clock each day. And it, be- it became stretched to, f- to, to between four and five, which seemed um, a little bit more plausible, didn't it? And, yeah. and so we have a, so there's a sort of breakaway group, if you like, called Fujicast at Four. It's a Facebook, um, Facebook group. And Neil Ford um, is really... He's very much at Smudgy Pixels, as is also known. He's very much in charge of, of the whole thing, really. And um, so we were all in there the other day, obviously. Certainly a bit of love your way, Neil. So um, hopefully um, you'll, you'll understand what that means. Uh, but also he sent me a little missive here to remind us that Wednesday, 1st of July, that isn't so far away... That'll be 150 days since we started doing it. So, so um, if you haven't taken part yet, you need to get into Fujicast at four, and uh, and and start to take part in that. I think yeah. very much. I'm going to put you down in the. It would be very much appreciated, Pa, which is just behind me on the left. Right, it's time for this week's interview. If you are new to the Fujicast, we always have a kind of sandwich style of show. It starts and ends with your questions about photography and, of course, about kit now and then. And in the middle, we have the interview. And this week, it's with Fujifilm Nordic ex-photographer Palla Schultz. I feel sure that if you've ever wanted to find out some info about a Fujifilm camera or lens and you've turned to YouTube you've probably bumped into Pala in one of his super smooth, calm, warm videos. He is a wealth of knowledge, knows his stuff about the kit we use, and we'll put the links, of course, to his work in the show notes today. As you'll find out, he has a a multitude of life skills that have all led him to becoming a quiet powerhouse of European photography. Pala Schultz. Pala, I was speaking to Kevin earlier um, today about us talking, and uh, I know you spent a bit of time together, so I asked him, I said, Kev, I'm talking to Pala later, and I have to uh, I have to say, for such a, a multi-talented chap, a photographer, a filmmaker, a musician, a martial artist, I said to Kev that, that you seem to play your cards pretty close to your chest. So I asked him for a little background, and Kev said to me, this is all he said to me, he said, Oh, you don't need that. You can figure it all out. Just ask him why he only looks like he's 25 when he's much older than us. (laughs) (laughs) 
Wow, man, that was, wow, okay, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing that's, uh, that's, the, wow. that's the worst way I've probably ever started an interview <laughs> because you're actually not that much older than me at all um, but you do still look like you're only 25 <laughs> so, ah, I'm not sure about that <laughs> so it's either a really yeah. good skin regime or there's something in Danish water that you lot are not telling us about <laughs> I think when I was 25 I looked like a 12 year old so I'm just a little bit behind <laughs> ah, well it's lovely to talk to you I've, I've been I've been talking a bit of late with photographers about the the imagery or the single picture in most cases that that shaped their view of photography. And with you, I'm not so sure it's a still image, but I think it's going to be a film because I read the the piece about Stanley Kubrick that you you watched 2001: A Space Odyssey, yeah. and that's what yeah. started it for you. And I, I wonder, yeah. well, I wonder what it was. I mean, it's a film I love. Um, it's a special yeah. event film for me. I can't watch it too many times because it would spoil it. But what is it it's, about it's, that film? It's so slow. And thanks for having me, by the way. Um, yeah, the Stanley Kubrick um, Space Odyssey. I saw that one when I was nine years old. Yeah. I, I was pretty much a loner when I was a kid. So I went to the cinema by myself because none of my friends had any interest in a film like that. But I was just blown away. And it's a long I mean, a very long movie, and I was there on my own in our very small town's uh, small theatre. Mm. Um, so I was just completely blown away by this imagery. And since I was four, I saw the moon landings when I was four years old, and I remember it as, it was, as if it was yesterday. Really? Still? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it live. Uh, my parents uh, allowed me to sit up at night and, and watch the whole thing. When I saw this movie, it was just like a bit of the same thing, but yeah. taken to the future and just seeing it in an incredible uh, resolution and uh, yeah. and this extremely weird story that ends up in this quantum sort of universe that is, it just blew my mind. And the imagery especially, because Kubrick has always been a favorite of mine because he has this... Um, he has a very particular way of using lenses and uh, widescreen uh, stuff. Everything is just like still within his frames and then stuff moves around as if it was a theatre. He was, of course, an extraordinary powerhouse in, in cinema. And then you've got films like The Shining. Yeah, yeah, The Shining, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because he, I mean, he's, a, he's an inventive man, obviously. And I'm, I'm sure it was The Shining where Steadicam comes from, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think uh, the way that uh, you move a camera, other people obviously saw this thing and wanted to duplicate it and replicate yeah. it. So he is, I mean, he was a, originally a photographer, yeah. a stills photographer, and you can definitely see it in, in the way he chooses to, to frame his, uh, his settings. Uh, he has a great sense of aesthetic, I think. We stayed Quiet. in a, we stayed in a hotel actually myself and Kev funny enough in Switzerland just before Corona and and it was um, I, I likened the the corridors within the hotel um, which was on a beautiful lake um, very much to the to the shining uh, and I said yeah. all it's going to take is two children to walk along here holding hands and I, I, I'm 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 jumping into bed with you tonight Kevin and yeah, yeah. Uh, but but that that was where he and he, where he created because he couldn't use a dolly could he? he couldn't use a track rather that that's where the bed spring uh, um, um, the bed spring idea came uh, to, to the fore with the yeah the original, I think it was yeah. in, in the maze yeah. where you follow him through the maze that's the problem because you couldn't leave tracks mm. 
Uh, and uh, you couldn't lay out tracks because then you would see it in the snow. Yeah. So they had to make some sort of gizmo that could bypass that necess- necessity. Yeah. Inside the hotel, of course, it's different. Yeah. Uh, then you can just use wheels. Well, we, we, uh, I'm, I'm not sure how he, uh, if he used Steadicam for the whole thing, I don't know. We could we could end up talking about uh, Stanley Kubrick for quite a while, so we probably should move on. Yeah, but do yeah. do you think do you think films like this? Um, I'm sure they must have inspired your own videos on, say, YouTube, where 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 again, I, you know, you, it's a quiet approach, um, and you're much more considered than pretty much everybody else I can think of on the platform, bar maybe a few. But is it the inspirations like 2001 in in mind? Uh, I'm not sure. I think it's a combination of mindset and also that I like the very visionary slow movies that that takes time to sort of uh, get it in, get the visuals in. Um, Blade Runner is one of my favorites, um, 1984, and also the new one I like Mm. because they sort of leaped out from the same place. And I, I just like to... You know, there's enough that's too fast. I mean, cutting is so fast today, and it's when you see some action movies, just everything is so fast. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure we need fast all the time. So I sort of like just, you know, dwell. And I don't know, it might be because I'm old, but uh, I just like the to sort of have the time to see what's going on in, in the frame. Um so I guess that's my inspiration. I, I think it's a pace that that that, that just it's it's wonderful to watch. We'll get back to your filming soon, but I want to know where photographically it all started for you. How how you knew you were destined to make um, photography your your career? I don't know if I ever knew. Uh, it's more my my whole life has been a long series of coincidences, and uh, I had two interests when I was young. I started. Uh, taking pictures when I was seven years old with a, a box camera. Um, it was an ECFA box five, I think it's called, with the 120 film. All right. And my father was an avid, uh, I mean, he took a lot of pictures of the family. And that was sort of a thing in my family. People really remembered to take pictures. So pictures was a natural. Mm. So we were given an old box camera that was like, 20 years old when I got in my hands. So I just used it. And then I used whatever fell in my, my hands and learned to develop film. And so at school, and it was just a natural thing I used for other purposes. I, it was not like photography itself. It was just taking pictures for other purposes, for reports and stuff in school as well. And uh, I, then I had an interest in music, a keen interest in music. And I just... I went more along the way of music for many years. And then because a lot of people couldn't, when I, when I did some stuff that where we needed pictures, I was the only one who could figure out how to use a camera because I'd done it always. So I just, okay, let me do it then. And uh, it sort of developed from there. And, but it's, I think it's about 20 years ago when I went onto the bandwagon of uh, actually taking it a bit more seriously yeah. And then that's when uh, we started with uh, digital cameras and I had no problem figuring those out because I knew that it was lighting more than anything else. Mm. So doing all the product photography for where I worked and so was not a problem for me. So I just did it because I was the only one who could, who could figure it out for some reason. You've always yeah. been a, a very multifaceted uh, photographer. You, you, you've not, 
No, I mean, you've not necessarily I mean, specialized in one that's area. A nice, that's yeah. a nice way to put it. Yeah. I just thought I had no aim at all. I was <laughs> no, just I, all over the place and completely confused. <laughs> no, I'm going to say eclectic. <laughs> okay, I'll buy that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, you know, there's some people who are very, very good at sticking to a certain style. But I've, 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 I've done so very different tasks that needed a certain look for the task itself that I never really got into creating my own look, I think. I think my color grading maybe give me some sort of a look, but I do so many different things. What I enjoy the most is portrait photography, taking pictures mm. of people, getting really close to them. Mm. And then the rest is more like it sort of happens. But the portrait photography is what drives me the most. Actually, your, your, yeah, your latest your latest project is um, the the, um, the the strength and integrity project. That, yeah, I'm still trying to get that on the roll because yeah. it needs to be printed and put in a book. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's what I need to do. But I have so much uh, work that I'm sort of pushing it. But I need to finish that at uh, some point. Mm. You you talk in your bio about how even banal pictures fascinate you, and of, of course we're emerging from this this lockdown in most countries. I'm not quite sure how stringent have you been in Denmark? Uh, I don't think it's as bad as US and England. Okay. Um, I mean, we could always go out um, and we could more or less visit friends, but people here were really careful anyway. Yeah. So we. Th- it didn't spread much. We have very few incidents of Corona. It's, it's like ridiculously little. Mm. So uh, now we are gradually opening up again, but of course it, it gave us a break to breathe. And I think that was actually pretty healthy that we got out of the busy routines and sort of, put the pace down to where I am. (laughs) (laughs) It suited you very well. The banality that you talk about, though, you know, the taps tripping, the clocks ticking, those those kind of what what I would, well, now loosely labelling sort of lockdown pictures. What what did you find yourself um, doing and photographing in that time? For me, it was emotion mostly because you can become overwhelmed with, with loneliness if you don't have a family. And I live by myself. And uh, my son lives in another part of the country, so I was pretty much left on my own. And I mean, I'm—I have always been driven by emotion, so I sort of, you know, connect to what I feel the first as the first thing, and I pick up the camera and I adjust it to whatever mood I'm in, and that can be sometimes color, mm. and sometimes really dark black and white mm. if I'm really moody, and uh, I sort of just try to. You could take the most banal picture in the world and it was still ooze of whatever emotion you had when you took it. Um, so, so, that's that's, it. So, so that's interesting. I, I think if I, if I were to look through your portfolio, I'd be able to tell your, your mood and, and, and where, where your mind is by, by the colour grading and the darkness then. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much the truth. You're, you're very into the formative stages of people's careers. I mean, you, you mentioned that you photograph dancers and artists and fighters yeah. even, but, but those, those who require a photographic record and don't, say, have the budget for it, that's yeah. the kind of person you're drawn to. What, what, what inspires you to give your time and expertise to, to uh, those people? Um, I come from the same place. I never have had a lot of money. So when I meet people who have talent but are struggling because of money, I don't think that should 
be a thing that should hold them back. Mm. So I just step in and say, you know what, I can help you with this part of what you're doing. And then I just do it. And I then I just take the time to do it. And uh, fortunately, most people I've been taking pictures of have a career now. Mm. And the benefit is that later in life, they actually call me again and then actually have a budget. Uh, so it's 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 not just throwing your time out the window. It's mm. it benefits other people's ambitions and their dream, and sometimes it pays back. Mm. You know the karma carousel yeah. hits you in the in the back of the head, and you actually get something to do. So uh, I I kind of enjoy you know. I can't remember the term. I think it's sharing it forwards or giving it forwards. Yeah, pay, 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 is it pay yeah, it pay forwards? forwards. Yeah, 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 that's true. Pay it forwards. Because I th- I think the more you do it, I mean, you shouldn't. I don't do it for people who have money. No. If people have a lot of money, I, I take my price. But if it's people I can, that just can't do it, then I'll do it for free. And uh, tomorrow I'm helping a German a young dancer that have nothing. Mm. And uh, she needs f- um, video for her project uh, to be able to get a job. So I'm helping her to get a job. Th- this attention to detail you have as well, um, changing direction now, which I think your martial arts, because I know you're a martial artist and, and you've mentioned the, the music. It's it's an attention that, that, and I think those two facets really help people um, when, when it comes to attention to detail, because I think you have to be to be a martial artist and a musician. Um, but But... This attention to detail has played into the way you, you make your films. And I wanted to talk about your YouTube films. But, um, most men, sorry to use a real generalisation now, uh, Paolo, <laughs> but m- most men throw the manuals away, but you, you don't. What, what, no. what is it about the detail? I mean, you even call your YouTube videos geeky stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's because that's how my brain works. I'm not made from, you know, I'm not built like regular people. I have, I have, uh, my brain works in a different way than most people do. Uh, I have a crazy memory. I can remember when I was a baby. Yeah. I can remember since I was uh, a couple of months old, uh, and I can remember it more or less linearly. Uh, um, and that's it's kind of it's kind of a weird thing in a big subject. Um, uh, it's sort of like an aspect baggers brain that sucks in a lot of information and it also uh, it's like i can't really not be have it um, i can't not have attention to detail the pala way of of working to camera this sort of very gentle one if you haven't seen one of um uh, pala's films um you have to <laughs> we'll put links in obviously in the show notes because you have this beautiful way of connecting with a camera i feel safe when i'm in one of your films I don't feel that even though I've seen the words geeky stuff, that I'm not going to be able to understand what you're about to say. Um, what, how, how did you come about that that style of filmmaking? Because it's so different to every other uh, tuition kind of tutorial uh, kind of video on, on YouTube, that's for sure. I think it's because I have been teaching a lot uh, since I was very young because I acquired information very quickly and ended up teaching very quickly. In everything I did, I did it in martial arts, I've done it in music, you know, and I haven't been taught much music. I I, I taught at two uh, conservatories in Denmark, but I never had one hour of lessons myself. <laughs> <clears throat> so, so it's just, I think I understand that most people are not 
they don't connect well with a high a, a high amount of information, mm. especially not things they can't relate to. So I thought it was much better to take the approach of uh, showing how you apply certain routines. Uh, so when you use your your camera, you use your uh, gadget or or tool, then I'm just taking the approaches because so so many people sit down and say, okay, these ten things are bad, these ten things are good. It can do this and that, and this is the specs. And why should I do it? Because they do it. Mm. So I should do something different. So I just try to sort of get around how you could apply the use of this camera or whatever tool I'm showing uh, in a in a in a specific setting. And most often, people can relate to relate to it pretty easily. Now, I'm interested as to why you chose Fujifilm, although I think it has something to do with the way you're treated with, uh, with big cameras at, at music festivals. Yeah, I had a Canon before, and I never really connected to the camera. I have never seen so deep levels of menus in a camera. Even I had a problem uh, getting around the whole thing. And then the X100 came in 2011, and I was sick and tired of being pushed into the photo pit with other photographers with yeah. have, had these uh, vests on that uh, glows in the in in the light <laughs> yeah. or glows in the dark and uh, I just I hated being the, that one that had to be pushed in front of the stage and three songs and then out yeah. so I chose to go to a big festival when I got the X100 and had a job taking pictures there but I just went with the X100 and one battery so I had to turn everything off. I only used the optical viewfinder. And then I started taking pictures from the pit. But then some of the musicians noticed me being totally different than the rest of the photographers. And then I was pointed at and asked to come up on stage. So I went up on stage. And from then on, I just went backstage and took a lot of backstage pictures. Oh. And then when I noticed what came out of that camera, because I only shot JPEG, I was just totally blown away by the colors and the quality of this little camera. And p- people post for me because this little camera didn't scare anyone. It mm. sort of pulled them towards me instead of pushing them away. But whenever they saw one of the Canon photographers with their big lenses, they just turned their back. So I had an advantage because I didn't seem like a photographer. Well, and I'm curious then about your camera bag. Um, I know you love the new X-Pro incarnation in the three. I, I watched the film in that. I know one of the yeah, things yeah. you particularly like. Crazy is your, the camera. Yeah, yeah. Your, your nose doesn't uh, doesn't mess up the screen anymore at the back. I thought that was... No, my, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was one thing. Yeah. I, I just thought it was funny because, you know, I'm left-eyed, yeah. so I always smear the display with my nose, and then suddenly I didn't. So yeah. I was like, hey. It's exactly the same great. as me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if I unzipped, if I go to the back of your room now behind you and unzip your kit bag, what, what, what am I going to find in there? You will find an empty bag because I pack it every time for what I'm doing because oh, okay. I'm as diverse when I do jobs as you have noticed nice. in anything. It can be uh, a couple of days ago I went for doing a couple of interviews with uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a practice uh, um, uh, uh, two coaches from, for a new club and uh, did some uh, uh, film, some practice routines and some interviews and also took some pictures. So I brought the X-T4, a 35mm for the portraits, and I brought uh, a 1655 lens with an ND filter for the video. And the new X-T4, you can just switch the knob and then you're good to go in Mm -hmm. anything. I set that up before I went, so I I had the settings and um, just had a little rig around it and I could put it in... uh, 
the you know the small Fujifilm Domke bag. Yes, I do. Yeah. It all it all fitted in there, and then I had a bigger Manfrotto bag with a light stand. Uh, I brought a Profoto B1, but I found out that I shouldn't because it has a it has a fan inside, so it makes noise when yeah. it starts to get warm. So. Uh, you know, lights with fans in them are not yeah, good for video, no, I figured no, out. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, yeah. Coming back, back to the filming then, um, and I'm talking about your Talking Heads pieces again, uh, which, as I've said, are wonderfully simple. Um, uh, what about, what is the Schultz setup? I mean, your skin tones are warm, it's beautifully lit. Is it 4K or what? What? what is your, I've, I've yeah, often said I, to Kev, I, I wonder what... I try to uh, improve it a little bit. Right all the time it's, i'm just you know taking a step up every time i do it to sort of have some so, sort of development in the look uh, but i use two uh, led lights called uh, falcon eyes uh, a small one and a big one just to for my face and then i basically just go back in the room and turn on the regular indoor lights because they are very warm uh, in comparison to a uh, daylight uh, LED. And uh, the last video that hasn't come out yet, uh, I, for the first time, used a blue uh, LED light to light up part of the background to uh, have separation. And that looked really good. Well, it's it's nice to see you back on YouTube because I know for a while you had other projects that took you away. So we'll make sure we, we pop up some links for your channel, your work and your projects, and, of course, your Instagram account, which is where you keep folks up to date with what you're doing, which is at Palaschultz, at Palaschultz. And actually, on that note, and to bring things full circle, do you think Stanley Kubrick, with all his creativity, would have had uh, an Instagram account? I think he would have had a, a manager take care of it, but I think he would have. <laughs> I think, but he would think he would have people to do it for him. I think he, he had so he had such a strong vision of what he yeah. was doing and was so focused on what he was doing that I don't think he would have much time, but I think he would appreciate the medium. I, I'm pretty sure of it. With his inventiveness, I bet he'd have done something different. Probably, but I don't think he would put much of his mind into it because film was his thing. Yeah. And he would probably just continue making amazing movies yeah. uh, because all his movies for me is an artwork in itself. I mean, some of, even The Shining have taken a pounding from some critics, but still to this day, I think it's, as a horror movie, it's one that really have, you know, it's it's very special. And the way it scares people was a new way to scare people. Mm. So he, he definitely he definitely <laughs> had a vision for what he wanted. I tried, so. I tried to talk Kev into it. I said, Kev, you've got this wonderful new project of your house. I gave him, The Shining was on the list. He said, I'm not watching The Shining. So, <laughs> so, but I tell you what, though, The Shining, Clockwork Orange and uh, 2001, if I had to, if I had, uh, you know, on one hand, if I thought uh, the late, what I call the late night Friday with a, with a tipple of something slightly stronger than a cup of tea, um, then I, I think those three films would be on. Yeah. I'm not sure what the other two would be, but those those three probably definitely The Shining, without a doubt. Yeah, I think uh, Full Metal Jacket for me is one. Oh of the, yeah, of course, the, like, yes. most iconic yes. because the the acting in that film is just spectacular. Our thanks to Palace Schultz for his time talking to us uh, this week on the Fuji Cast. Of course, we'll have all the links that uh, you need with regards his work so you can go and check it out for yourself and and do make sure you pop across and subscribe to his youtube channel as well right um back to your questions well this actually kev this this first one's not really a question this is more um sort of collection of thoughts from friend of the show anna mccarthy 
Um, whenever I, I say the name Anna McCarthy, um, I always want to go into a jingle, Kev. AnnaMcCarthy.com. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, that would be something, wouldn't it, if we started having jingles for everybody? We'd, um, that would be a, st- a step too far, maybe. Anyway, she wrote a couple of weeks back about getting back out into the wider world to make portraits. Um, such is the speed of what isn't isn't allowed. So some of the the original mail is perhaps not so relevant. So I've, I've kind of tried to edit this on the on the go, really. But I, I want to summarise some of her thoughts, Kevin. See what you think. Uh, some of, some of the things was I suppose positives and negatives and feedback to getting back out there photographing again. And and if you're listening and you've had similar experiences, would be um, chuffed to bits to get um, some feedback to uh, click at fujicast.co.uk. So here we go. Things that she's found. Number one, I've rediscovered my 70 to 200 lens. So in our our case, a 50 to 140. So good thing. I realised how lovely a longer lens is, compressed perspective, and the shallow depth of field it affords at f4. And of course, Kev, social distancing. It's a great lens for that, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, are you planning on on using, when you get back out in the wider world, something like a 50 to 140? No. No? (laughs) <laughs> honestly i think that when I, I i honestly when when we're allowed to shoot weddings again i think it will be when they're back to normal right okay unless they're going to be small weddings you know 10 people or so so i'm guessing that when when i'm back out shooting weddings properly then they will be yeah. basically as they were before well anna's doing a, a lot of work at the moment uh, in terms of uh, portrait work so she suggested okay. as well if you're if you're planning to do I, I think she's doing a lot of uh, remote portrait sessions if you're planning to do these sessions at the moment i strongly suggest organizing it out of hours toward the start or, or the end of the day i was lucky with this one the weather was sunny and we started at 7 p.m fewer folk around is best at uh, the best times uh, but but you know in the evenings are definitely now anyway challenges my client wasn't relaxed about being photographed nothing new not many people are to start with but she was a lot more lax than me in keeping to the social distancing as we walked along um every now and then i i, I had to keep reminding her not to walk too close to me for her own benefit and oh, I suppose that both our safeties and I, I kept having to veer away. I wonder, Kev, you know, how that's going to work with relationship buildings, uh, building rather, because you do, when veering away from people, well, they got the plague, you know, it's difficult, isn't it? Well, it is because some people do seem to take umbrage to it, don't they? That, you know, you, you, by you distancing from them, somehow they, they kind of think that you think they're unclean. Yeah. And of course they're not. It could be you. Well, it doesn't matter who it is, but yeah, it's it's the way it is, isn't it? You know, it's very peculiar, I have to say, very peculiar. Very different, of course if we have to go back into weddings. I know you keep saying to me that it's going to be different by the time we get back into weddings, but I think we'll be going back into weddings sooner than you think. I know we've always disagreed on that, but I think there's going to be social distancing. And now, obviously, Anna's talking about being out there as a portrait shooter, but a lot of this works in lots of yeah, cross, cross I, I think i think you know i think weddings will start again pretty soon but i just don't think that they're going to be uh you know the kind of close combat stuff that, w- that we're yeah. used to and yeah. i think that if you know people who who, who uh weddings will be maybe 30 people or something perhaps yeah. and and those weddings will go ahead then fine yeah, yeah. i don't know I'm, but I, I really hope i'm wrong i mm. absolutely really hope i'm wrong Okay, and and then the, there were lots of points, but these are the ones I, I I drew out. What I think were the three most salient ones that are still relevant. Um, often I'll, I'll show my more nervous clients a picture on the back of my camera. Once I've uh, got one I'm happy with in, in the bag toward the start of the session, it's almost always it almost always surprises them and gives them confidence, and they start to properly relax and and even enjoy it. If you've got long arms, can stand on one leg with a long lens and reach out, you can just about do this at two meters, but it's not easy. And I was I was pushing it a bit to do so. 
And uh, she also mentioned the masks thing. So, um, mm, masks, Kev, will you wear one to weddings? If I have to, yes. Yeah. If that's the requirement, of course I will. I think currently the the directive is that you have to wear them on public transport in yeah. London. Yes. I think that's, that's it right now. Um, but that may change, of course. Yeah, if they say you've got to wear one, then, then I'll wear one. I mean, I suppose... The, the problem for the government is if they say to everybody you have to wear a mask when you're outside, yeah. then they have to supply a mask to everybody. Yes. And they can't do that. Can't even supply them to the NHS. So Have you bought some, by the way? No, we made some. Did well, you? Okay. Oh, so you, you have got some. Yeah. I mean, how effective they are, I have no idea. But, yeah, yeah they, they've been made. Um, so, yeah, we have some. Our next-door neighbour made some with dog bones on. They look very what? cute. <laughs> dog bones? Threw them over the garden <laughs> to us. You could have them in your, your, your rugby colours, couldn't you? What are, your, what are your rugby colours from your last team? I always said to Gemma, I think, I fancy having one made with nice white teeth on that make, <laughs> looks like I'm smiling all the time. Oh, did you see the ones? They were on the BBC. Skin they were on the BBC, actually. Somebody had um, put a load of LEDs um, in, in the actual mask so that um, it actually mirrored the movement of your of your mouth as you were talking. I mean... We, I, Frightening. I feel a bit, bit disingenuous making light of it because, they, you know, one of the things that I'm conscious of is that there seems to be a lot of people who are seeing mm. these things as a fashion accessory yes. rather than the yes. seriousness of it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of that on Instagram, haven't we? You know, the, mm. like the influencers with their, their fashion accessory mask. Yes. I'm like, you know what? It's not going to stop you getting anything and it's not no. going to stop you passing it on. You're doing that because you want the thumbs up, the yeah. likes. And anyway, thank you, Anna, for that, because um, there are some interesting um, points. And, uh, and maybe I'm throwing these in here because uh, it's not like a regular question that we field. Um, just in case you've got some thoughts that you can send in to click at fujicast.co.uk. Or very quickly, uh, men- mention uh, the Insta for her as well. Anna McCarthy Photography. At Anna McCarthy Photography. Done. There we go. Anna McCarthy, <laughs> and there we go. And you got a freshly sung jingle by Kev as well. Go on, your your turn. Okay, I have a I have a question, um, and this is from somebody called Christine Summerfield, right. and it's it's quite a weird question, really. Uh, it says, uh, "Hi, Kevin and Neil, love the podcast." Yada 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 yada. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I have a question, probably for Kevin rather than Neil. And she says, if Sony come to you and offered you money plus all the gear you could handle to switch to them, would you do it? <laughs> and the second part of the question is, there we go. <laughs> the second part of the question is that I know you and some other photographers are involved in the design of Fujifilm cameras. Um, some of the other photographers seem to use that as a badge of honor. Um, just careful of what I'm reading now. And uh, make everybody fully aware of it. However, you only seem to casually mention it rather than mm. show off about it. And suppose I suppose I'm interested in what you actually do at that stage of the design, mm. uh, how much you're involved, and what do you get out of it? All right. Well, let's take both those questions. Mm. First of all, then let's let's go for the if Sony were to come to you question, and uh, or, or or you know other brands exist, yep. don't they? Nikon. And say, uh, Mr. Mullins, here's a bag load of kit. Come and join us. <laughs> um. No, I, I've always said to uh, my friends at Fujifilm that if if something comes along technology-wise that I feel is better for my clients, then I will change. Um, just there isn't anything that I can see that is, is like that. And, of course, that change has to involve the financial element of 
selling gear and part exchange and you know and, and it has to be a dramatically better shooting experience yeah. you know maybe it's going to be even lighter and smaller faster whatever i don't know yeah. but no there's nothing in the sony range that tempts me right now um and or the nikon range or anything else so the answer is no, no. um although the money bit is a is a bit of a tricky quick question to answer because you know i'm not going to sit here and say look if somebody came along and said we'll pay your mortgage off if you went on instagram and said you're using a something (laughs) would you do it i'd be i'd be straight on the phone to fuji and say (laughs) listen i have this uh i have a little bit of a problem (laughs) oh oh hang on hang on hang on oh phone's always across the table hold on ah hello yeah well i can well I'll, i'll ask no idea what he'll say uh-huh um it's mr Liker, and he says you can have everything bag thrown in 30k a year <laughs> <laughs> that's unfair i'm sorry i'll answer on your behalf he says no he's not interested no, i, I no, can no, tell no, you no. right now that i could never <laughs> I, the problem with all the Leica gear as much as it is beautiful it is it as, is it is as i would love a Leica at some point in my my life i uh I, I wouldn't be able to do the work for my clients with it because it's no. I'm, I'm just not that 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 skilled so uh, that would oh, definitely you know kev you are skilled it's just a deal you don't you have to develop a different way of working that's all ultimately it comes down to you know you know it's there is nobody on this planet that would say no if somebody said no. you know what this is an a, a, a literally an offer you cannot refuse but i would always be honest about it and open that's that's the difference joking um, apart joking apart though kev you you have been um without a doubt not not just loyal to the brand but you were there right from the start and uh, you know when when you were originally approached it was because you believed in a product it wasn't because you'd picked up a product and thought, hang on, here we go, let's become an ambassador, which has become the currency for a reasonable amount of photographers, hasn't it? Yeah, it definitely has been. And and I think I think that seems to be a little less now. I think once people understood that actually it's it's quite hard work and you you know, you don't just get bucket loads of free stuff. No. So it's it's became less appealing to some people. But yeah, there was a thing. I mean, I I don't get it so much these days. But the the emails and stuff I used to get. How do you how do you become an ambassador? What do I need to do? Yeah. And I always used to say to them, well, yeah, yeah. you know, work hard. Yeah. And and like work hard. What do you mean work hard? I don't want to work hard. I want to take as many corner cutting opportunities as possible. I want it now. Yeah, I want it now without yeah. putting any effort in. Yeah. Mm. um so well that kind of answers the second part of that question i suppose what what do we do when we we get involved in that stuff and the, the fact is it's pretty infrequent you you know it's not like every single camera they design they they you know we were involved in it and a lot of it is still very secretive even until till release date so um occasionally we'll be we, we will go to meetings and you know they mostly it's about feedback to be honest with you yes. it's more about you know listen you you've got your ears to the ground what do you think people really need in the next generation of cameras mm. uh you know do these buttons need to be here should that be there and you know so we we have had some physical input input for sure in terms of some of the design like the ergonomics and things like that specifically um but you know it's still done by them ultimately it must be quite but, thrilling actually because i know uh, there's a few things on a couple of camera bodies that are there because the mullins had some input and some suggestions it must be very thrilling to watch it you know come out as a, an actual commercial body 
Yeah. And also there's some things that I've fought for that have been taken away. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's for the good of the, the, the marketplace rather than just for the good of one person. Um, so, yeah, it is interesting to be involved for sure. Mm. And, you know, the, the good thing about Fujifilm, as I think is true of pretty much all Japanese culture based companies, is that it's done on trust. Yes. You know, it's not... Yeah. Uh, Yes, you sign an NDA when you become an ambassador, but it's not a, um, you know, they trust you. They yeah. they trust you implicitly, and, and that's that's the important thing. Um, I think you know, so. one of the other things that people don't realise, and you touched on it a moment ago, is you still have to buy kit. I mean, you let's <laughs> yeah. let, let, and this is a good time to mention, since we did say we'd mention it in the second half, you have now got the Fujifilm X100V. I have. I'm just stretching over my... Uh, and you had, you had to part with a few pennies for it, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. No, I had to buy it. Of course I did. And and I um, I even got, believe it or not, I got a case. Yeah. You know, one of these little leather cases. Well, you're you're and, just going to throw uh, that away. You know what you're like with cases and dividers and stuff. Right. And, uh, I realised that, that yeah. I didn't that bit. Um, <laughs> so, the... the um, yeah, they, I love it. I actually do like it. I haven't really shot with it much this yet. It only came on Monday, and I've been a bit busy this week. Um, but I tell you what, one thing that, and I know this goes back to this meeting idea. Um, when we when we were kind of involved in the X one hundred V stuff, um, the view mode button has missed, has gone. It's no longer there. You have right. to assign it to a function button. I don't know whose idea it was not to have that button on the back. Uh, well, I mean, it makes sense once you get used to it, and you can have it on a function button, and you can configure it. But well, the way I used to like it was I'd use I'd switch it off completely, LCD and everything, and just have the EVF, and then I would switch it back on quickly to review images on the back if need be, um, and then switch it off. And it was just quicker using that button. So uh, it's just something that will come to me, you know, and and also the D pads missing now, of course, which is yes, which yes. I knew would happen, and that's the norm in the in the later kind of ranges of the the rangefinder star cameras. That doesn't bother me at all. I actually um, because I haven't really seen this since we saw the prototype. Last time I saw the prototype was when we were in Dubai, and that was oh I don't know what like well over a year ago, I think. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, we talked about the, the the tilting screen and everything. They've done a, such a superb job of that. You, you do. I haven't actually brought the tilting screen out because it's so flush with the body. You, it, you might as well not know it's there. So those are those people who who want it can use it, and those people that don't, it's just like it was was on the X100F. They've done a superb styling job of that. What are you going to do with the, the X100F? Are you going to see that one off now? <laughs> no 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 i can't get rid of my x100s any of them no. but i i did say to albie the other day because the camera t- i got busted on instagram the camera turned <laughs> up in a box and Jeb, albie said what's that dad i said uh, oh i'm not sure i think it's something from future <laughs> you know don't know what it is and um hang on a minute yeah are you are you telling me are you telling me that the the lovely gemma i had no idea this was arriving no, and then of course oh. I, I, I popped a picture of it up on Instagram, as you do, because you know yeah, that's that's yeah, the way yeah. you get the most likes on Instagram is stick a picture of a camera up. Yes, and yeah. uh, and sure enough, and then and I'm going to my Instagram now, and then she, um, yeah, she she waded in because now of course Gemma's on Instagram, which is the only social media she's on. Oh, is she right? Okay. And, uh, what's what's yeah. are we allowed to know her her Instagram name, or is she wanting to remain? Fairly anonymous. Uh, I, I'm not sure, really. I, I, I would have to run that past her. Yeah. However, if you go to my, 
my Instagram post, you'll, you'll find, it, find anyway. it because it says uh Kev you know we've got no money right yeah. so this morning when Albie said what's that parcel dad and you said oh I don't know son oh dear oh. it was next month's mortgage money Mullins Mullins I can almost hear the shout right now uh, yeah you? so I got proper boot busted did you um, right. okay well I, I you know you were, I, I just about got away with buying another camera bag. You know what I'm like with buying camera bags, but that that was that was like a a little twenty five quid special. But you went well, you went you went proper, and you did. I know, but I, I, I couldn't, I can't, I shouldn't have bought it. I have to say, it was not the right time, and I have no need for it. But part of me is like. You know, you were involved. Going back yeah. to Christine's question, yeah. I was involved in it, and yeah. you know, loads of other people have got it. And I'm like, I no, I need to be able to. I yeah. want to do a YouTube video about it. I want to use it, of course. Yeah. And um, and I said to Albie, "Do you want this camera that my my X100F, which is fairly special because it's um yeah. it's one of the ones that we had our our um, names are, are on them." He said, which they don't do that any longer, by the way. But he said. Um, but why do I want? Why are you giving me this, Dad? I said, well, you can use it. You know, I'll put a strap on it and everything, so you don't drop it because it's fairly special. <laughs> he said, uh, "Nah, it's all right." He said, um, "Can I have some Xbox tokens instead?" <laughs> God, oh dear. Uh, well, there we go. Well, well, well done for getting one. I'm sorry you got busted about it, and the fact that you don't need one, I, I, you know, and you bought it anyway. You definitely have got gas. <laughs> It's the first case of it. This yeah. is the first camera, definitely, that yes. I feel like I've bought. Along with the two GFXs that you bought, you mean? <laughs> no, I bought them. I sold them. You know, I, I bought them and, and sold. Well, no, I sold one of them, but I've got the other one now. <laughs> uh, yeah, but they're, they're, I've got them for a reason. I feel like you're picking on me. No, 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 not at all. I do want to make a YouTube video on an X100V myself. So when, when you've made yours, can you just sling your camera over here and I'll make it without having to buy the camera? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh dear right okay gordon we've got time for one more i think gordon price uh, on getting back to work you may have mentioned this on the dailies chaps but what's your thoughts on giving your time for free to camera clubs and organizations i work as a landscape photographer and fine art restorer so i kind of fit in with the camera club scene well but it's taking more of my time than i planned obviously not at the moment i think um so what, what do you think how much uh, free work should you do? Well, it's interesting because I, I have had a few camera clubs um, come to me during the lockdown. And I, I, I used to do a lot of camera club talks. And at the beginning, I used to, because camera clubs typically aren't, aren't for profit. So they no, are, no. you know, they obviously charge because they need to hire the venue and all that kind of stuff. So I used to feel very uncomfortable about charging for them. So I would say to them, look, cover my mileage and then just do a, a collection on the day and donate mm. it to a charity of your choice. And and that worked really well for a you know period of time. And then of course I found that I was going further and further afield. And you know sometimes it was like an overnight stay and everything. So I started putting a fixed fee on it, which is fine. Most it's a really low price for a couple of hours. Um, and most of them were okay. Some of them said we you know we can't afford it and stuff, and that's fine. So I didn't do it. But then what what I found this year during the COVID stuff is I was getting emails from you know some relatively big companies and uh, brands and things like that saying you know and can you do a, a webinar for us and i was like yeah 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 here's my here's my fee oh uh well we don't have a budget and so my answer is no then you know anybody who basically is going to be making money from me needs to pay me right. that's that's the way it works in my mind 
uh, I have done um, stuff for free, obviously for uh, you know things like the the camera clubs and stuff, where you know it's not a money making thing, but ultimately you know it's now you know it's like we don't have any money at the moment because nobody's buying our stuff. Well, I don't have any money either at the moment because no one's buying my stuff, and you're mm. not paying me from you not buying your customers, not buying your stuff either. So it's, it sounds uh, it sounds to me as well that Gordon Price has had exactly that um, uh, that experience. He's been doing, well, I guess, he's been doing Zoom calls and stuff like that because I know some camera clubs have carried on doing their their meetings, haven't they? Over, uh, only on yeah. Zoom, which is yeah, yeah. which is great, which is great, yeah. 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 I, I, the way I think is I, I often feel bad when I say no to things like that because, well, I used to feel bad and now I don't because, I, you know, I feel like I do enough, you know, like we're doing the doorstep stuff here and that's all entirely. We've raised quite a bit of money for the um, food bank. And so in my that's mind, I feel like I don't feel, need to feel bad. Yeah. And I definitely don't feel bad for the companies who are, yeah. you know, who are commercial companies making money and, and are unwilling to pay. There we go. I'm going to uh-huh. get off my... Uh, Step down, Mullins. Yeah. Um, Ali Stewart sent in a couple. I know I said that was the last, but we got just literally a minute. Um, Ali Stewart sent in some um, um, some uh, Tech Free Tuesday questions. We we haven't done any over the last couple of weeks. Do you want to do you want to end on a couple of those? Yeah, let's do it. Lockdown's over, and you're allowed to go both out and play again. The two of you are going by train to London for the day. What's your ideal itinerary for a day out in London together? You can come home on the last train. Oh well, we'd start with Weatherspoons for breakfast. <laughs> 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 yeah, just to, uh, obviously just a, a little tour of them to check they're all okay. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Make sure you know, make sure it's all good. going well. Yeah. Um, uh. Then perhaps you know we take in a couple of uh, you know maybe a exhibition or something that's near a pub. Oh, I thought you were about to say we take in a couple of O'Neills then as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no, O'Neills is where we'd go for Elevens. Is okay, yeah. all right. I feel like we'll be there by about eleven. I tell you what, I can't wait to go to the Tate. That's where I want to go. I want to go to the Tate and spend a yeah. whole day walking around it yeah that's i miss that place i have to say yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. actually you know what i'm going to do when they're when 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 they're allowed to i'm going to go to a zoo um i feel like they're struggling and they yeah, allowed nail true. bars to mm. open before they allowed zoos to open Isn't that amazing yeah a nail bar to open before a zoo really yeah essentials nail nail bars were classed as essential shops nail bars now yeah. i know i know i'm unlikely to have my nails done i appreciate that everybody but Really? Well, before a dentist, although I don't understand why nail a dentist bars. went open. Yeah, nail yeah. bars were opened. And um, and then poor zoos were like, hang on, we're going to have to start yeah, shooting our that's... elephants soon. I read that, and yeah, yeah. Oh, no. And, right. and a zoo is one of the easiest places to socially distance. It is. You know, all you've got to do is let, you know make one of those poke one of those lions in the bum with a stick and it will roar and everybody will run in different directions <laughs> kev you can never get that close <laughs> what kind of zoos you go to right I'm gonna take the kids to the zoo that's what i'm gonna do i don't know which one but one of the ones that i feel has, has had it hard whatever one is closer to an o'neill's <laughs> yeah. uh you'll like this one actually kev you have you have one frame left that you can shoot and then you can never ever pick up a camera again because you're going to go and do something else with your life Mm. What what will you shoot? That's a really inventive question. I like that one. Good lord! Yeah. I tell you what, with your with your X one hundred V, no wonder you were in so much trouble. Not only did you buy, by the way, a camera <laughs> that that uh, Gemma was quite surprised by, you didn't even make her the first picture. You always your family. There's always a family picture. It's the first thing you you make with your camera. You took a yeah. picture of Git. 
Yeah, it did. It did. He's lying here right next to me yeah, once again. Go the git. So go on then. What was what's the uh, one frame left that you can shoot? Oh dear. I mean, it's just going to be for me. It's going to be a simple family one. Don't know. Why. I don't know. See, I've, because I feel like I've got enough of them. I think I would have to go. It depends on how long you've got to do the frame and all that kind of stuff. But I, uh, I would. I think I'd try and find. I'd, what I'd like to do is, and I've often thought this, is find the 20 most important people in my life. Right. Um, one frame, not, not 20, one frame. Yeah, but put them all in one picture. So that sounds like, together. oh, sorry, Mullins, but that sounds like a bit of a group shot to me. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 oh, absolutely. This, I'm thinking, I'm thinking yeah. like, proper people as well. I'm thinking, oh. like, Bill Gates would be in there. I'd ask oh. him for my fiver back. Um, <laughs> I'd have a couple of, uh, there'd be a couple of uh, my rugby mates would be in there. Oh, you know, Stinky Jeff or Stinky Jeff or what were the, all the names? <laughs> it's not Stinky, it's not stinky Jeff, what it's Lazy name? Jeff. Lazy Jeff, sorry, not Stinky yeah. Jeff. I'll be in trouble because I think, I think he listens. So, <laughs> no, that's Big Nick. Big Nick Big listens. Nick. DIY Dave listens. DIY Dave. What would Gemma obviously and the kids would be in it as well, wouldn't they? No, I've got loads of them. All oh, right. So they're not even invited in this final frame that you're taking your your. No, they would just be non-family people. Right, yeah, okay. that's. I, I, I've always thought if I if I had the opportunity to do a book and it was like a no limits, no bars limit, I would I would travel the world finding the people not not so much the most important, but perhaps the people who had the biggest impact on my life. Wow. Mine is like, like a little historic uh, history project. That'd be yeah. amazing, wouldn't it? Quite a lot of them are dead, though. So oh, are they? Oh, right. okay. Well, we ended on nice... Their graves. I'd find their graves and include those. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. It's well off target from Ali's question, sorry. Yeah, well, yeah well, <laughs> it was interesting, though. Um, thank you very much uh, for your questions this week. They are, um, here we go, stand by, the lifeblood of the show. So uh, please keep sending them in. Uh, we're building up a nice collection again, which is fantastic. Send them to click at fujicast.co.uk. Um, usually at this stage, Kev, I say, what are you up to this week? <laughs> what are you up to this week? Oh, you, well, I suppose, actually, you're going to be moving your office, aren't you? Mm, possibly, yeah, probably. Yeah, I'm sad. I don't want yeah. to do it. I don't want to go back to no. the scary world. No. <laughs> okay, well, well, we'll um, send your questions in and we'll, we'll catch up next week. Oh, don't forget to uh, go to fujicast.co.uk for all the links of all the things uh, that you've heard on the show today. And uh, we'll catch up next week. You never know, Kev, one of these shows, we're actually going to be in the same room together. Yeah. yeah, I feel it might be the next one. I do, feel you, do you think so? Do you think so? It's getting close. All right, well, maybe see you next week and you can steal my coffee again. See you then. <laughs> Bye-bye. The FujiCast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way. 